0: This is The Widow Podcast and I am Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I'll be supporting you through the loss of your life partner so you can find a more positive way through your grief. I want to give you hope after loss and to know that when you are ready, you can create a meaningful life for yourself with the help of me, Karen Sutton and The Widow Podcast. In this episode, I had the honor of speaking to Pete Cohen. Pete has over 30 years experience in coaching with a history in psychology and sports science. He was the resident life coach on GMTV here in the UK for 12 years. He's appeared on numerous TV programs and has helped some amazing people find their way in life and become the best version of themselves that they can be. He supports people through difficult times, helping them create a life that they can love again. Pete's wife, Hannah, died in May this year, and he has come to talk to us about his journey of grief and how he is navigating life after loss. It's a wonderful conversation. There is so much to be drawn from it. Pete shares a lot of wisdom I hope you enjoy it and I hope you gain a lot from listening. Enjoy. Pete, hello. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm really looking forward to chatting to you. The first time I heard about your story was earlier this year at an event in London, and you talked about Hannah and everything that you had been through with her illness. I'd love you to just share. Uh, a little bit about Hannah and her story, if that's okay. I think it's always nice to to talk a little bit about our person once they're gone, isn't it? And, and share a bit about them.
1: Well, it's a long story. So, I mean... It is a long how, story. You know, you want me to condense it, right?
0: <laughs> condense. Yeah, yeah,
1: because otherwise we'll be here all day. But the, the fact is when I met you and you heard me speak, my wife was alive and she had made a miraculous recovery for the second time. So then in 2011, she was given 18 months to live With a very aggressive brain tumor um we'd been together a year we weren't we were close but i didn't think oh this is the one for me um and uh, but this obviously brought us together because what she was being told was um that she wasn't got long to live and she had surgery she had radiotherapy the tumor came back fast i found a treatment in america uh that literally saved her life she came back from the dead Um, Well, not literally from the dead, but not far off. Uh, And we lived an incredible life. I fell in love with her. We got married. um, We had some amazing times together. We built a couple of businesses together. And then in 2021, in November, she had a big seizure again. And um, over the next couple of months, re-diagnosed and then given six months to live. Um, And I almost gave up. Um, I just literally, but a friend of mine just really wouldn't let me, we couldn't go back to America where my wife had had the treatment originally, but I found a treatment in Germany and we went there and it was a viral treatment. They put two viruses into her brain and it triggered an immune response. And once again, I mean, but this time she really came back from the dead and it was, I was saying to everyone, this is the closest thing to a miracle. Then I was saying, actually, it was a miracle. Uh, but then unfortunately in December last year, 2022 she got covid and we didn't know at the time what was happening but it seemed that that triggered a complete reverse of what had happened before the doctors couldn't believe it because they'd never seen such a great response and slowly but surely over a period of months um she she died you know she ended up in a hospice and that was in may may 19th this year was when she took her last breath but she was amazing i mean you i didn't tell you anything about her i mean You know, she was just incredible. I mean, she was my greatest teacher in my life.
0: How did she face her own death through that whole period? Because I think to be told you're going to die, then not die, then told you're going to die again, and then not die. I mean, you know, this time when she told it was the end, was there still hope there for her?
1: I don't think she accepted it. We never talked about her actually dying, but she did say a few times, I don't want to die. But then towards the end, she was just saying, I just want peace. I just want peace. You know, not all this noise and all this fuss and all the doctors and nurses coming in. And, you know, because we were at home, we were trying to manage the situation at home. And then eventually it just got worse quite quickly over a period of three months and ended up in a hospice, which Mm is ironic because I made a TV program there probably 20 years ago about that hospice. Um, So, yeah, I mean, look, it, it was devastating. And it was extremely challenging. But, you know, her motto was literally just get on with it, just lean Mm. in. Um, But I'd experienced grief before. I lost my mum two years ago and my dad three years ago. But this was much harder. This was like, but I suppose those two previous grief experiences probably primed me for this one. But this was the biggest test, no question about it.
0: Has it surprised you, your grief, in terms of what you were expecting of it before Hannah died?
1: I don't think anything, I don't think anything you, you know, you can't, it's one of those things, you cannot anticipate it, I don't think. I mean, this is the challenge, isn't it? When we, when we go through something difficult, I think we think that it's going to be the same for everybody. Now, I don't know that, because I don't work with that many people. But you do, so you've probably come across lots of people, and you could probably tell me that my experience is very similar. But they talk about stages of grief. I don't know how much truth there is in that, to be honest, because I haven't really got to an angry phase yet. But I think it's just very easy to put yourself in a box. I think the challenging thing for me with grief is the waves. You know, it, it, it doesn't make logical sense. I can't logically tell you how I've dealt with it, but it is difficult. It is. It's a very unusual thing to even explain. I don't even know how to put it into words.
0: It's really hard to isn't it and I think you know I've read um a, a quote somewhere along the line that said that grief is not something that can be explained it can only be felt and I think there is a lot of truth in that because it is so unique to everyone we all experience it so differently and trying to explain that to somebody else can can feel just impossible at times have you have you felt the need to connect with others that have lost a life partner?
1: Um, Well, I started having therapy before she passed away because I did not Mm. know how to manage this. And Mm. that was extremely helpful to the point of the therapist saying, you know, the last thing to go with Hannah will be her hearing. So don't stop talking to her and playing music and all of those things. So that made a big difference. But just dealing with that devastation uh, since since she passed away, I haven't had any therapy, but I've had some amazing people uh, around me. In fact, I just talked to you before about One of my friends, uh, Dale White, who's head of Suzuki UK, um, his wife uh, just passed away and we were going through this thing at the same time and we had each other. Hannah went first and then obviously his wife went and we vowed that we would help people who go through something like this. Because I think regardless of how difficult it is, it's a lot easier when you've got other people around you that maybe they have been through something similar family, just people who just know how to support you. I mean, that was really interesting, seeing the people that were capable of supporting me because a lot of people weren't for lots of different reasons. But I'm going to turn this back on you, if you don't mind, because I know it's your podcast, but, you know, what, what's your fa- – I don't know your story. So please, because I wanted to pass this podcast on to the people that follow me, so I want them to know about you. To Tell me your story.
0: So my husband, Simon, he died suddenly. He went on a bike ride one Sunday morning in September 2016. Uh, We had two girls. We have two girls. They were nine and five at the time. And he had a cardiac arrest and he, he literally dropped down dead. They tried to revive him and couldn't. As you say, you know, you are thrown into a world, aren't you? A world of complete and utter devastation. You don't, everything feels different, looks different. And you don't know who you are, where you fit in. Yeah where you're heading however I did know I didn't want to be defined by Simon's loss in a negative way for the rest of my life so I didn't know how I was going to do that I didn't I I didn't have the skills the tools or or, you know I was a nurse I was a midwife before Simon died and I, I didn't understand how I could support myself through it like you, I went to therapy um but after Simon died and and that helped. But I wanted to I wanted to find a way forward, Pete. I wanted to rebuild. I wanted to create something meaningful. Like the way I experienced life was different now. And the way I felt in life was different, but I couldn't find anything out there to help me rebuild. I could find people I could connect with and share with, which was great in terms of validating what I was feeling and normalising it because it was all very alien and scary and big. But then what? What do you do with all of that? You know, that there's so much to navigate. So, Two and a half years into my journey, I got myself a life coach. I'd never heard of a life coach before. I was like, what? what's a life coach? That's got to be an American thing. Mm. Um, so I got a life coach, and in six months I've completely turned my life around. Wasn't cured, wasn't fixed, you know, it wasn't all magic and sparkly and perfect. But I felt in control, I felt clearer, I had more confidence, I had a greater understanding of me. And I just thought, if I can do this then so can everyone else yeah. because I'm just a normal person. And that's why I've decided to do what I'm doing to help people rebuild, to help normalise and validate, because we do live in a grief illiterate society, don't we? People yeah. like you've just touched on there. People don't know how to show up. We're scared of it. We're scared of death. We're scared of grief. We're scared of big emotions. And and that can leave us feeling quite isolated, I think, and and lonely. And that's not... That's not a great place to be when you're grieving your person, when your life has been shattered.
1: Oh, and Thank you for sharing that. And what about your daughters? How old were your daughters?
0: So they were nine and five at the time. Um, they both grieved in very, very different ways. They are now 16 and 12. And and they're amazing. They are amazing. And, you know, we have our challenges. We do. Um, it, it's, it, it, comes up the grief, especially for my 16 year old. Um, mm. she obviously being nine when her dad died, she has more memories of it, I think. And she didn't actually grieve when he died. She held a lot of it in. And I think then that it does come up, it comes out somewhere along the line, but yeah, they're doing, they're doing okay. We we are all doing okay, but you, it's still there. It, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't ever go away. And I think there's a, I don't know. What's your perception of grief? Do you think it's something that we find a way?
1: Well, well, when you say when you say it never goes away, I think what never goes for me is the memories. Mm-hmm. You know, I still live in the same house. I just turn my phone on here and I see a picture of her. I was going to read you uh, what one of my, who's a neuroscientist, said something to me, which I found really, um, really fascinating because... And it was amazing. I mean, afterwards, I felt huge gratitude because of the amount of people that had helped. Uh, And it was a little bit down the line where I actually really started to really realise. Oh, hang on, I'm never going to see her again in the way that I did. Uh, You know, she was my partner. She was my business partner. She was my best friend. And it's just the realisation of whoa. But she said, she said, "This is what my friend said. You know, just to be a scientist for a moment." There are real changes in the brain that happen when someone passes away that makes it so difficult to manage the loss. The process of grieving is so necessary and painful. You're re-architecting your brain and your life. No one can take the place of another, but please allow yourself as much love as possible. Love for yourself, love from your friends, family, pets, and strangers. And that just made a lot of sense because, you know, I know that my brain is having to readjust. I've just been making changes in the house you know, which were important because the house was ours. It wasn't mine. And also yesterday I let our cat go. It was Hannah's cat. I I was never, but I'm not here all the time. So, you know, it was a really hard thing to do, but I almost feel I'm being guided by her as well. I mean, you know, I don't know what everyone's beliefs are about what happens when people pass on, but I don't think she's died in the way that she's dead. I mean, she's just not here in the physical way. Her spirit Mm. lives on. For me, I felt like it was very distant to me to start off with. Like she wasn't communicating with me, but some of my friends were dreaming about her and Hannah was talking to her in her dreams. And Hannah had a miscarriage. She was 14 years younger than me. She had a miscarriage um, a few years ago, which was extremely difficult, really difficult uh, for her and for me, but it was really difficult for her. And she got help from someone And this woman said to her, Hannah, you're a really old soul. This is your last life, and this is your toughest test. And Hannah took solace in that. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. I I mean, I'm I'm not here to try and prove my case to anyone, but that wasn't her toughest test. I think her toughest test was the last one. You know, just literally facing death. She must have known. But she was just, I mean, how could I not live? I, I truly believe this. I truly believe that I have the honor of living in people's memories. So my parents were just incredible. They dedicated their life to me and my brother. They taught me so much. And other people who have passed away, who poured into me, and Hannah poured into me. So finding a way of taking someone's life and doing something with it, and Hannah would just want me to enjoy myself. She'd want me to have fun and just live life. There's nothing more than she would want. So as much as I might feel grief and feel upset, I just know I can't do it for very long because there's something else that needs to be done. And that's obviously what you've done. You've found something that needs to be done, which is to help people manage their grief. It's actually called, in mythology, it's called Passing the Boom Back, which came from Joseph Campbell's work. Joseph Campbell, he was a lecturer in mythology and storytelling he was George Lucas's mentor, George Lucas's creator of Star Wars, and he mapped out the hero's journey in every film. Someone is called to an adventure, you know, they don't want to go, whether it's Rocky, whether it's Dorothy, whether it's Alice in Alice in Wonderland, whether it's Frodo or Harry Potter, same thing. They don't want to go. They get a coach or a mentor. Something happens, it's horrible. It doesn't destroy them, but it almost does. They almost give up then they decide to get stronger. But the the bit that's often missing, and then they take the thing on and beat it and take on the power of the thing they destroyed. But the last part of the story is they then pass on the wisdom of what they've learned to others. And that's the stage that you're obviously been at for a while. It's like, what was the point of that if I can't help others who are going through the same thing? And I think if you don't do that, there's a real danger for a lot of people. I'm not saying everyone should help everybody who's gone through something like that, but I don't think if you can't find some meaning in what's happened, however difficult that is. And I have met people in the last 13 years that our situation is nothing compared to them. You know, people that have lost children who are extremely young. Try making sense out of that. You know, mm-hmm. in the hospice, you know, I saw seven other people die. One of them was a, a mother who had two children. What sort of life is that for their children? My father-in-law, who was there all the way, he nursed his wife for 11 years with, uh, with dementia. You think, wow, this is, imagine this is hard for me, but there's, you know, when people say there's always someone worse off, right? there's always someone else who you can comfort and be there for. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've spent the last 30 plus years, haven't you, Pete, y- you know, helping people create a better life for themselves, helping them work through their challenges, their despair, their traumas. And you've been incredibly successful at it. You, you know, you are highly regarded in in that space and have worked with some amazing people over the years and and helped them. Does that work feel the same for you now? I know it's only been a few months since Hannah has died. Has it had an impact on how that feels for you in in one way or another?
1: That's a really, really good question. So, I've been working with someone for for quite a while. And now my podcast, the last, I don't know, 10 episodes, I've done them with him. He's a professor of branding. Uh, he's also a coach. He's in the US. And personal branding is his thing. And the essence of personal branding is you know who you are at your core. You just know who you are. You don't need validation. You just know it. And you know the value that you bring the world. And you know how to get your value into the world. This experience has been the biggest mirror to me in my life in terms of, well, the biggest stop moment. I've got a stop sign somewhere here. I don't know where it is, but it's (laughs) over there. You know, just the whole thing of let's just stop. And I'm sure it was the same for you. Everything stops. Nothing is the same. Everything looks different. Everything is different. And I realize now that my calling in life is to help other people stop. Don't always wait for disasters. Stop. Appreciate and learn to maybe have faith in where you are. So at the moment, I don't want to... Th- I wrote down this morning in my, my journal, what does uh, stopping mean? And that's the only thing I wrote. And the rest of the morning, I've just been kind of stopping, but just doing things in the house, you know, that don't necessarily have to be done or, you know, just I'm being in the moment uh, mm-hmm. because I'm not ready to start planning my future. As much as I would like to, there's a part of me that goes, you just, there's no way. You you gotta slow down.
0: How do you feel with not having all the answers yet? With that giving yourself that time and space to stop, to sit in the discomfort and the uncertainty. For you, how does that feel? Because for a lot of us, it's it's deeply uncomfortable. We're not used to it, but I know you've got a lot of, of tools and, mm. and knowledge under your belt. It's
1: it's tools, less so. It's more environment that supports mm. that and people, you know. Account- not accountability, but just, but also financially, I'm lucky that I don't have to go out and work today or tomorrow. And I really think that how much more difficult that must be for people who have gone through some form of grief and then all of a sudden they have to go back to work, but they're not ready. I'm I'm mm. I'm very thankful of the time that I have because I know what I need, and what I need is to not do very much. Which is weird, but at the same time, in answer to your question, it feels, it feels fine. It feels like, you know, if I went to the doctor and the doctor gave me a prescription and the prescription said, just be in the moment, you know, don't think too far ahead. I said, oh, okay, that makes sense. I can do that. So, yeah.
0: In, in those moments, do you allow yourselves to, I, I know you talk very much about leaning into things. Do you lean into your, to your grief? Do you, mm. do you really go there? And how do you do that?
1: I don't think I do it consciously, you know, I think there's lots of triggers, you know, around the house, but I've already put some things away, you know, there's, they'll never, I'll never stop thinking about Hannah, Hannah made quilts, so her, you know, over there, there's a, uh, a, She sewed, you know, when a Robin appears, you know, that some, you know, like, uh, people are near Uh, quilts, it's a big picture of her with angel wings, but I've put away like a wedding photograph. Um, it's not that I don't want to remember. Her. I do want to remember how of course I do, but I, there are always going to be those triggers, whether they're things I see externally or not. You don't spend 14 years of your life with someone, but I just allow the emotions to come. And when they come, I don't fight them. I'll often vocalize them. And the last few days, apart from being physically run down, uh, I feel much better, you know, but maybe tomorrow i feel like shit. And if I do, then I'll just go with it. If I need to talk to someone, I'll talk to someone.
0: Does being busy sort of help you? Do you think that that is no. it? A, is it a healthy distraction no, no, or no? no? No, no.
1: I just had a podcast come out today called "The Perils of Hurry Sickness." You know, and I, I've suffered with that for a long time. Just being busy, and I was doing that a lot when I was with Hannah because I was frightened. Mm. You know, her treatment cost a lot of money, and it was. It was really nerve wracking and thinking, oh my God, I've got to keep going and frightened to stop. Now that isn't here, that kind of, I don't know what you would call it, this big doom cloud of possible doom. I I suppose I'm just allowing myself to be more present Mm. for the first time maybe in my life properly, which is what she'd want as well.
0: (laughs) Mm. But that must have been so hard for you to to do over the course of your relationship, because I guess... This cloud of doom was probably always hanging over you in in some way, yeah. Because it was always there, wasn't it? The yeah. the unknown. Well,
1: it was. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it, about grief and death that it's not a, a narrative that many people embrace and talk about. We never really talked about it, but I knew Hannah at the back of her mind. So you know, all those years ago when she was sick and she was having seizures, she I think she was always frightened of having them again, and very occasionally she did, which then reminded her. But there were times where she, I think she genuinely forgot and felt normal. But I think for me, I've never really vocalized this. I think I probably never felt like that. I think I was always on edge. If she phoned, I would immediately think there's something wrong because that did happen a few times. So that was so traumatic. And then when she got re-diagnosed, I didn't realize of all the trauma I'd had for all of those years. But now I'm ready to let that go and rediscover a new way of moving through the world where you know, I, I didn't have to do that. She didn't want me to do it. But that was the way I coped for all those years, just probably always being on edge. She'd call my name mm. and I'd think there was something wrong.
0: So hard, so hard to to live with that. And like you say, almost becoming your normal because that's how you learned to to survive. Is Is there an element now she's died? It feels weird not having yeah. that as part of your life.
1: Yes, but it's starting to get to feel a bit more normal. And that has mm. a lot to do with changing the house a little bit. I, w- I don't want to move out. I was thinking I might. I want to decorate. You know, I had a mm. I had a Chinese table that I bought in 1999 in Guilin that weighed over a ton. I lived on a boat when I bought it. So it was stored in Sally Gunnell, former Olympic world champion. It was in her barn for 20 years. I finally got it moved to where we used to live, which was a real effort. No company would move this table, I had to find a circus company that removed and put up rides on fares up to move it to our house, to put it in our house, but then it then to be bought here. uh, But Hannah didn't want it in the house, which is fair enough. And if it's been outside and yesterday it was moved in the house. And that was always a dream of mine because it's the most beautiful thing. So having that, and Hannah would want that. If she was here, she wouldn't want it. But
0: <laughs> yeah, and
1: it's just like these little <laughs> things, which are just almost a statement of "I'm ready for something else, whatever that else is." I don't know what that is, but I'm, 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 As my friend said, and I'm saying this, I'm open to everything, and I'm attached to nothing. You know.
0: You think that's a mindset that would benefit all of us in in life to mm-hmm. I I I listened to something you said actually about about something on one of your podcasts and you said if you always see loss as loss you'll stay lost. Yeah. And I thought god that's so profound actually because we really do look huh. at loss in in that way don't we like what we can't do what's not available to us anymore what we have lost and and we don't understand who we are and where we fit in but what you've said there which is what I try and help people to to do in life, and that's to to sort of change that mindset to what is possible for me now. What can I do? What is available to me to help us find ourselves? Though it's not easy to develop that mindset. Mm. You've obviously got it quite naturally, but it's clearly something that helps us, isn't it? In in our darkest times.
1: Well, when you said that about loss, the thing about losing things is we invariably find them again. Like you know, you lose your glasses or your keys. In your house, you'll probably find if you lose weight, you'll probably find it again. And if you see it as a loss and you constantly see it as, look what I've lost, then I think it might make it a bit harder as opposed to maybe looking at this slightly differently, which is what's there to gain from this? And I know that that might seem really strange and it's just a really easy thing for me to say, but I have met a lot of people along the way that have been able to, this is one of the greatest things that's happened to them because they've done something like what you've done. And I I think if Hannah was standing here now talking to me, what would she want? Would she want me to be down and sad and absolutely no way. She would shout and scream at me for doing that. She'd come on. What was the point of all of what we did? If that's what you're going to do. And she inspired so many people. I mean, when she passed away, it was pretty overwhelming because I didn't realize the impact that she had. She's quiet. You've got to watch the quiet ones, the unassuming ones, because they're the ones that really are doing the greatest work. I'm out there making lots of noise, but she was really so supportive. And it's like, how can I keep her memory alive? Which is something I am um, feel very honoured to do forever.
0: What do you think, she the, the impact she's had on you, what parts of you do you think are because of her and will continue to to shine out for you. you you know we say don't we that we feel like part of us has died when we lose a, a life partner but i also like to think that part of them lives on in us because we are who we are because of them so who are you because of hannah i'm just
1: a lot more intentional so you know mm-hmm. my business is actually called my 365 which is a it re, it refers to my intentions also my identity who am i being but in, when you're intentional you you focus on the things that you you need to focus on so she was a quilter. So she, if you make quilts, you have to focus. You can't be all over the place. And she's watched me try and be things to, all, to everyone. And I think that there's many lessons, but that was definitely one of the biggest is to be a lot more intentional about what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and to take care of myself, look after me, because that's what she wanted. She saw how I moved through the world and she never told me what to do. She was just, I mean an incredible woman, you know? Mm. I mean, just if you'd met her, you would have loved her. I'm sure she would have loved you because everything about you is real. This this is me. I'm just my authentic self. I'm, I'm not trying to be anything I'm not. I'm just me. And, you know, a lot of people are struggling with the fact that she's not here anymore because she was a really important part of people's lives. But like you say, the memory doesn't die and the opportunity to take her into every uh Interaction I have is is there. So I, I I will be with someone and they don't have to know anything about Hannah. But I carry her with me. I'll be more intentional when I'm with that person because of her.
0: Mm, that's lovely. Mm. I think you know it's what I I love to think about. Sort of Simon is sort of being the things I loved most about him and and carrying them forward and so like the what? things I did like love do you know what he he was a man of great integrity, and for the people that he he loved that were were close to him, and he was very picky, <laughs> but those people he held close and dear, and and he would do absolutely anything for them, anything for them, and I really admired that in him. He he spoke his truth. He didn't he didn't fluff things up in any way. He said it exactly how it was, and I love that about people. You, you know, I I don't like that the bullshit yeah. that just it can sniff it out a mile off and i and I've, I've just got no time for that really and you know just to be true to your word to be a good person and to, to do your best i think there were parts of him as well that i i choose not to be because it yep. wasn't perfect yeah who is <laughs> Exactly, and and I think it's important as well to you know it's very easy when somebody dies to to put them on a pedestal and 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 create this version of somebody, and of course they they were they were perfect to you you chose them but there were parts of of that person that were also maybe not quite so aligned with who you were and, yeah. and what you wanted and that's okay too because like you say that's just that's just the human experience yeah. isn't it and and that. And I think it's it's important for me anyway to to keep it real.
1: And then and then what what do you think he'd make of what you've done and who you've become?
0: I think he'd fall off his chair. I I he just wouldn't like I have like zero business acumen. Like I have no knowledge whatsoever. I've created two businesses. And I don't think he'd be surprised that I'm supporting people um, because I've always loved people and helping people. But I think he would be very surprised at who I've become and and what I've changed in life and and how I show up. I think now he would be incredibly surprised, but proud. That's
1: also interesting is because you might never have become that person if you were still with him. I wouldn't, I don't think. No. And now, you know, do you love and appreciate yourself more than you did than than you did before? Do you value yourself more?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I really do. And, and to your point, you know, about looking for, for what's available to us and, and what our opportunities are, that was really hard for me to do because for me, that felt like I was being disloyal in some way that I wasn't loving him. I wasn't grieving him. And I think a lot of people feel like that, you know, because we don't have the tools, the knowledge and the understanding that it, that that's okay. It's okay to do that. It doesn't take anything away from you. It doesn't diminish your your love or your loss in any way. So it took me a long time to say, you know, I'm not glad Simon died. There, there wasn't a gift necessarily in his death, but through my grieving process, there were a lot of lessons and there was a lot that I could take from it. And I think that's that's important.
1: Yeah. It's interesting that about, you know, realizing who you've become and you wouldn't have become that person if that hadn't have happened. And I suppose that's another reason to give thanks. You know, it might Mm. not have been an, obviously it wasn't an intentional thing, but again, it's Mm. finding a way to become more of your true self. And I think it's the same for me. I I feel much more real about who I am. I feel calmer. I feel uh, just like this is, I feel like this is me more than Mm. it was before this has been a massive stop moment and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like I've now got another chance, you know, just a different chance, but I'm going to, I want to make the most of it.
0: It's like, it peels away all the layers of, of what you've created and, and, and you get to choose which layers you want to, to, to put back in place, I suppose, don't you? And which ones you want to shed and leave behind because it's a massive stop sign. And I think we do have to really assess what feels good now to us because it all changes and it all feels very different. The people around us can be quite resistant to those changes in us yeah. because it's hard for them. I think sometimes, but you're probably surrounded by people of a similar mindset. Mm. And I think that's important, isn't it? Sort of who we are well, surrounded that, by.
1: That's a really interesting point. And I, I don't have that challenge, you know, like people, well, I might have it, but I won't, don't think I'll relate to it, which is where people define me by who I was with her. You know, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. now you're changing who, you know, that's not you. It's like, no, you can't define me because I'm okay. ever evolving. But I can imagine for, for yourself and maybe with your your parents and your Simon's parents and your children, it's like when your friends, that when you start to adopt and adapt and change, that can be. I was actually listening to someone say something about that today around how people are grieving the death of who you were you know? And they don't want it because they think that's who you are. And it's like, no, that's not who. And what I have found is that very few people intentionally choose to become different. I think most of us Mm. just react and then become someone else. But then when we're much more intentional about, no, this is who I am. This is who I'm committed to becoming. And I'm just going to evolve. Everything is happening for me, which is Mm. a very easy thing to say. But if you have a philosophy like that in life, then at some point you'll probably find a deeper meaning in the experience and your life might even be enriched. Yeah. You know, again, easy thing to say, but I'm not saying any of this is easy to do.
0: It's not, it's really not. And and you saying there about people grieving you and who you were before, like I grieved me. I, I didn't want to change. Like I was really resistant to the changes Simon's death had on me in my life. And I fought them. I, I fought them. Like with so much will because I didn't want to accept that things were changing that I was changing i I, I even said I will not allow this to change me in any way shape or form yeah. Good and, and that energy I know yeah. and they, I did, when I realized actually fighting it was just futile and you've got to lean into it um but I I had to grieve who I was you, you know and and let that person go yeah. and and step into the new version of me but it's hard. It is. It's all really hard. And, and it's a process that, you know, it, tend, it goes for years. I think I do see a difference in the way men and women grieve, which I think is really interesting. Mm. Um, not better or worse or good or bad, nothing. It's just, it's just different. But I think we're different anyway, aren't we? We're, we're differently wired.
1: Well, I think, I think there's uh, in that, well, there's, there's two things. One is, um, that came to mind, is about validation. That mm. if you're validated by your partner, Uh, And your life basically is that in the essence of who you are is, is summarized in your relationship with that person. Of course, it can be extremely difficult. I don't know how healthy that is for everybody, but again, I don't know everybody. So I can't, I can't comment, Mm. you know, it's very easy to make Mm. big generalizations, but if we're going to make generalizations, men as a generalization, find it hard to express their feelings and their weaknesses. And when it comes Mm. to grief, um, I think, you know, there's a lot more opening up of men talking about mental health, definitely, over the last few yeah. years. But when it comes to grief, I think that's a narrative which is even tougher, you know, to really yeah. show your sadness and your your sorrow. And again, when I say men and women, the male and female chromosomes are in males and females. So you can have, a as a male, mm-hmm. you can still have a real feminine type energy, if you like. Um, but I have found a lot of men that just, you know, you, you can't go there. I'm not talking about that. It was just too painful. you
0: know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's so interesting. And that's a whole other topic, isn't it all by itself, but it, it is. It, and just observing people in their grief and, and how they navigate it. I, I find fascinating.
1: Well, as you just said, before we started the podcast about, you don't find too many men coming forwards. You told me that and I'm thinking, okay, great. I know someone immediately, someone else you can talk to. And then he'll probably know mm-hmm. someone else as we start to change mm-hmm. the narrative by letting people hear other people's narratives. So yeah. what, what can I do to help you? Tell me, you know, what it is that you do. How do you work with people? I know this is your podcast, but why not? Why not <laughs> tell me, how do you work with people? What do you do?
0: So I work, I, you know, I, I generally online. I have a 12-month program to help people rebuild um, and connect because actually Pete, what I love to do is bring people together that are going through something similar. There's something magic mm. happens when you do that. And it does. And you know not necessarily just people that are going through the loss of a life partner but people that want to to grow around it they want to find a, a way forward it's just incredible so i work online i have a membership i obviously have the podcast i have a free facebook support group and i do retreats and events and i want to create more in person support locally you know that's my dream i'm one person yeah. <laughs> and and it's finding people to to help me create that but so that there's places, there's there's pop-ups. And and I know, um, you know, there are grief cafes around the country, but I want to offer more than peer support. I want to give people the tools and the mindset shifts and the perspectives, you know, to challenge their thinking and their belief systems to help them grow and see things in a different way and allow themselves to see the good, to look for the glimmers, you know, and allow that joy that peace that contentment to come into their lives whilst also finding their way through through their grief and that is ultimately my my goal and I do that you know I have clients all over the world um but I think for the local support (laughs) let's start in the UK yeah
1: yeah there's something magical about when you feel you're not alone
0: yeah Um, there is and
1: um yeah yeah, look I really appreciate what you do and I'll ask anyone who listens to this to share it with people because someone out there will listen to this and this will be exactly what they need. And then they'll find you and work with you. And it becomes a pivotal point in their life. You know, mm. um, when we look at the really successful films at the moment, especially with like the Marvel, the superhero films, it's all heroes that come together. You know, they're all mm. work, Wonder yes. Woman working with, you know, Thor and Batman working <laughs> with, you know, a bat, the superwoman, you know, and it's just this. Being a hero is actually being a protector. That's what a hero is. It comes from a Greek word, Mm heros, the protector. Who are we protecting? At the moment, I'm kind of protecting myself because that's what I need to do. And I will probably continue to do that for a very, very, very long time.
0: Exactly. And I think that's something we could all learn to do a little bit better Mm. is is really, that is leaning into ourselves. You know, what do we need in, in that moment? Yes, there's a lot of unanswered questions, isn't there? where are you going what is it you want what does life look like without your person and and the answers just aren't there yeah but it's it's having that inner belief that the answers will come they are all within you and they will come and you will figure it all out you you know this but a lot of people don't know this and that discomfort is really unsettling just before we go, Pete, I'd just love to ask you, you, you talk a lot about your future self. I know that's been a lot of your work. If you were to think about your future self, what do you think that version of you would would kind of say to you now? And I know you're going to say about looking after yourself, but is there something deeper than that, that that version of you would would say to you now?
1: That's a good question. So my future self, if it was looking back today to today, would be super proud of how I've navigated or navigating through this season, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a tough season, but just like seasons, they always change. I don't want to stay in that season. I like you speaking to you today just makes me realize, well, who will I become? You know, some of that will be conscious. I I will become a more loving, kind human being. But the other thing is I'm open to everything, you know, and and we'll see, I just, I will look back one day and say, I'm really proud of who I became. This is yeah, my greatest absolutely. test at the moment. There might be another great test. And I know other people I'm going to meet, friends, family, who are going to go through something like this. And I am will be able to help them more because of having gone through this
0: experience. Bless you, Pete. It's been so lovely. It's been so lovely talking to you and, and hearing you talk about Hannah and how wonderful she was. and And I know you're doing such important work I'll obviously share in the show notes, um, you know, where your podcast is Mm. and where people can find you. Where's the best place for people to head to?
1: You just Google me, you'll find me. I have a 30 day program, which is absolutely free. What's interesting about that program is that I created it when my mum wasn't given long to live and I couldn't see her because of COVID. She was diagnosed with lung cancer and I just thought I've got to do something. So I created this program. Most people don't complete it because it's 30 days. But it's all about future self. It's all about get to know who that person is. Uh, So that's, uh, it's on a mi365.me. Anyone can do it. For the moment, I've got nothing to sell people. Just an idea, you know, just an idea of there's a future self out there calling your name. And, you know, it's just time maybe just to listen. What are you being called to? At the moment, I'm being called to stop be in the moment, enjoy where I am and let things unfold a little bit so thank you for the opportunity
0: thank you so much Pete. it really has been so lovely talking to you thank you for your time yeah thank you thank you so much for listening to the widow podcast with me karen sutton if you would like to be part of a supportive community of people who understand your grief come and join my free facebook group widowed and rising and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the widow podcast